Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. And while we watch the ineptitude of Joe Biden, president of the United States, Russia is making moves on Ukraine. Amassing, if you will. This isn't the first time that Russia has made its moves. We've watched for years as they buzz U.S. warships. As they try and fly way too close to uh, planes that we have in the air that work intelligence, satellite planes. We have watched them just roll over Georgia, not the state, the country. And now... We're seeing a massive concentration of Russian troops on Ukraine's border, so much so that the NATO Secretary General, Jen Stoltenberg, already warned Russia that the Western Military Alliance, meaning NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, was standing by. Yet Russia said, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? We're not doing anything unless we're provoked. Oh, it's going to go down like that, is it? Well... One way or another, it's going down. But are we looking at just Russia just trying to poke the bear? Which is funny that you would say Russia's poking the bear because that'd be poking themselves. Or does Russia see absolute U.S. weakness and no level of contingent that would actually push back against them? NATO not being what they used to be. And they can engage the control that they want to create the population that they desperately need. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you on Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. The phone number, 833-468-8669-833. Got Tony, that is the number. Mike Lyons joins us right now. Uh, retired major in the U.S. Army. Uh, he has been doing uh, radio analysis for people at CBS News Radio and a host of others. He joins us on a regular basis. And, sir, uh, watching this build up right here let's start with the basics when we talk about a buildup on the ukrainian border where and what hey tony great to be back with you um we're talking in excess of four hundred thousand troops that you from satellite shots you'd look at it and say that something is definitely going on right on the other side of the southern ukrainian border in the what's called the donbass region it's a region that the russian government influences already and they have for the past five years and, um, you know, it's a, it's a number of troops that in the past would have been reportable uh, amongst treaties that we once had with the former Soviet Union. If we put that, that many troops on the border, um, it was perceived to be a provocation. So they have done that. They're, they're, they're not in their barracks. They've moved military equipment forward, artillery pieces forward, tanks forward. And, and those, that, that level is something that, you know, we saw a few years ago, but now we're seeing it again. And um, it's all about how much you know pressure that the that the Russians want to in, exert on Ukraine, but also def- definitely NATO because I mean I don't you know know who we're kidding thinking, you know they're talking about allowing NATO into or Ukraine into NATO that would be the dumbest thing we could possibly do. We're we're now creating the same mistakes that started World War One with all these entanglements and alliances and and the like, and we can't have admission to NATO to be everybody but Russia, and and that's really what's kind of going down right now, and I think. You know, we're going to they're going to do something, I think, similar to what Saddam did uh, in 1990. And that's kind of invade into Ukraine and then stop and then see what happens. And then we're going to see what NATO is going to do at that point. Let's start by understanding the area. So you uh, 
Ukraine is uh, a, a bit surrounded by Russia to its east and to its south. And mm-hmm. then to uh, the north and the west, you have these areas of what we would call Eastern Europe, Poland, mm-hmm. Belarus to the north and Romania and Moldova to the west. To the south is the Black Sea. So when mm-hmm. you talk about where they are uh, lining up where they're where they're amassing four hundred thousand troops. You said it was to the south, but the south would put me into it, that that bit of Russian territory that is like jutted directly into the Black Sea. That's right, and and so when they took Crimea in five five years ago, they got that port that they they wanted that controls their navy. It's the only warm water port that they had any kind of access to, and and now by having it completely. Um, they can create what they want to do is create a land bridge that goes from that peninsula back to, let's call it the motherland, let's call it to Russia itself, but they've got to go through Ukraine to do that. Um, the, 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 all those countries though, that you named are former countries that were behind the Iron Curtain in the past, to include Poland. Um, and in fact, we've started to put more U.S. troops in Poland. I wouldn't be surprised in the next few years troops leave Germany and move even f- more forward to Poland. And, and again, Russia will perceive that as a threat. But there's also a situation on the Belarus border going on, and that's a migration, people trying to get inside of Poland. And according to our Secretary of State, they think that that's becoming this distraction to the p- possible military action that could take place in the southern part of where Ukraine is. But you, you got to think Vladimir Putin's mindset is to restore the Soviet, the old Soviet Union to where he wants it to be. He needs to find these buffer states that go between um, him and the rest of, let's say, the West. Uh, and that's Ukraine. That's Belarus. That's all these countries that were formerly in the Iron Curtain. And I think he's going to do whatever he can to get those back. We spoke the other day of what's going on between Belarus and Poland and Poland not seeing the immigration conversation as the rest of Europe does because they have a, a better understanding of their history. And Poland is a very pro-American uh, type mm-hmm. of, of place. The statues to Ronald Reagan uh, still exist there. But interesting that it is a distraction regarding what could be going on. Uh, in in Ukraine, you talk about the idea, talking to Major Mike Lyons, a uh, military analyst. You can find him on Twitter, M-A-J, M-A-J, Mike Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S, on the Twitter box. Uh, let's see if we can we can get a, a forward position and then, you know, get in a little bit into the nation and then stop and see what happens. Well, mm-hmm. there's a good question about what happens. Never mind the number of NATO nations. What is the what happens? Because it would seem to me an outsider looking in, that if you put 200,000 Russian troops inside of Ukraine, someone's got to get the 200,000 troops out of Ukraine. Yeah, no, I'm not sure they'd, they'd, they'd leave. I think they'd, they would stay there for a while. I think you'd have a you know classic military operation that would take place. They would... Uh, and you know, impart martial law on the country. They would, you know, make Ukraine back us you know, to be part of Russia. I think that's really what, how that would go down. It would be a, an invasion. It would kind of old school go back to you know what what used to ha- have happened. That you know we thought that the world order was going to prevent these kind of things from happening, but. Again, I, I just don't see it, that, that, that course of action. Now, again, it's not going to start you – know, we, we seem to take everything that thinks it's going to start World War III and it's going to escalate and our nuclear weapons are going to stop it. But, but in this case, the question just gets back to what will the United States do? Again, first of all, we don't have any capability there. We don't have no ground capability there that's going to do anything. The Germans don't. The, the United States doesn't have anything in, in, in anywhere close to 400,000. So we would have to decide to make you – know, escalate 
very quickly with air power, uh, maybe tactical nukes. But again, once we let that genie out of the bottle, then, then who knows what ha- what's happening. So we're on our heels. I think we need to bring diplomacy back as fast as we can, find out what Russia wants. And Russia, I think, wants not to have Ukraine in NATO. And I think they want us to say that publicly, but we just don't seem to want to say that. Well, I, I think that there are some other things at play, and I was going to get into what is the, 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 the point of this. You're making the argument that it's a NATO play, and I'd like to dig into more of that. Very much if, if we listen to Vladimir Putin, and he has for years been talking about bringing people back to the motherland and, and uh, increasing the population. It's very hard to run a country when you have no people. Yeah. And the idea of, of whether we talk about Georgia, we talk about these conversations of Ukraine, you can just decide, well, this has been Russia all along, and then look, you have all the this this new population, which is something that they worry about. As you see now, China realizing that the one China policy was a complete and unmitigated disaster. Only the United States can build population by letting more people in. Uh, everyone else needs them to be their people uh, in yeah. order to, to, to make it work. So how much of this is a geopolitical in terms of keeping the U.S. and NATO at bay uh, uh, militarily? And what's the point of that? And how much of this is a Vladimir Putin and going back to his KGB days, desire to rebuild Mother Russia. Yeah, I think that's, those are great points, especially the population issue, especially what Ukraine gives back to Russia. It's the breadbasket of, of Eastern Europe, uh, as well as pipelines and uh, other things that go through from a commerce perspective, provides that buffer from where, again, from his perspective, you know, he looks at cannon fodder that's out outside the borders of Russia to make sure that they're never invaded again. And that's what's in the psyche of, of a lot of Russians even till today. You know, although World War II, you know, over 80 years ago in terms of the original German invasion, they just feel that they're going to someday be invaded again. And so by doing this, they get all those things you mentioned. They get population. They get resources. They get um, pipeline. They get a lot of different things uh, by just taking over it. And they're going to try to do it in a way that, you know, let's, let's, let's say that they do it peacefully, whatever that means, meaning you know, not a lot of people are killed because there's not a lot of fight that's going to take place. You're not going to, they're not going to defeat, the Ukraine military is not going to defeat a 400,000 troop uh, you know, in, ingress to their, their population anytime soon. Um, and so, I, again, I, I think that, that Vladimir Putin is going to say, let's, let's, we can do this hard or we can do this easy, but one way or another we're going to do this. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, a news radio military analyst, let's talk about the amount of people that are going to get killed here. Let's discuss the fact that if you indeed start rolling uh, troops in, and when I say rolling, it's going to be tanks rolling in. They're not going to skip across and be like, does anybody want some borscht? That's not the way this works. This is going to be rolling across with tanks, with heavy artillery, with creating positions, with putting people, rounding people up, with locking people up, with absolutely some killing because there are going to be Ukrainians who at least try to fight back. Um how many lives do we think that this is going to cost here? And when you talk about rolling in, how long can Ukraine last with Russia every four to six months taking another 17 miles? Yeah, another, another great question. I think that you look from a military perspective at a map, you know, you know, Army guys are map guys. You look at a map and say, you know, how do we get this done? Clearly, they're going to cut the place in half. They're going to send uh, a a great number of troops, you know, kind of to the midpoint of Ukraine, cutting off Kiev and cutting off the capital with the southern area, which are regions that are already um, much more sympathetic with the the Russian stance. And, you know, some places down there even speak Russia as primary language. 
So that's what they'll do. They'll just cut the country in half, and then the, 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 there'll be some yeah, there'll be some resistance in some of those places. I, I'd like to think casualties might be low because of the fact that they don't have a lot. But um, the question is then, what kind of counteroffensive comes from the north? What kind of counteroffensive comes from those parts of Ukraine that are that are anti-Russia? That might take a couple of days. Who knows how how that would exactly go down? But it, but in, in classic military strategy, it's a divide and conquer, and that's separating. Ukraine from the north into its south. Cutting yeah, but the you're capital. you're discussing the idea that this could move itself up to Kiev. Kiev is is the north center of the country, mm-hmm. right there on, on on the river. The river basically cuts the nation in in half. Is is mm-hmm. this your argument that that Russia is going to try and move from this little jut out in the Black Sea that far north? Oh, no, they'll, they'll have those troops come from the west on the border. They'll come from land on the border. They'll, they'll move them in their way. And I'm not saying they'll go towards Kiev, but they cut it off. From a military perspective, you've got to think Kiev is the center of gravity. And so there's going, you know, communications are there, all those things of where there's any way of having a possible um, counterattack will emanate from that capital. So that's what they have to recognize. So they have to cut that that part off and they have to make sure that um you know that 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 is not allowed to you know mobilize something i I, you know again if you look at a map just straight you know up and down look on where crimea is look exactly where they have uh assets there um i think that um any kind of attacks come from due west and then from the south there to kind of shore up what we call the shoulders of of that southern portion of that country let's now move this over to joe biden we see China and their continued threats towards Taiwan. I don't believe there's anybody who doesn't think that China is going to make its move in um, reconquering, if you will, Taiwan in the next, well, it could be uh, six days, 60 days, or 600 days, mm-hmm. um, that that's coming. How much of this move from Russia is based on the idea that the United States under Joe Biden is simply unwilling to fight? Yeah, it's another another point that you go back to the Cold War days. The the doctrine of our military was to be able to fight a two front war. Um, we lost track of that in, in at the turn of the century as we you know get past nine eleven. We draw a military our army down, take three hundred thousand troops out of the army. We're just not really capable of doing that right now. And in both cases, these might be considered lower scale, but both could escalate very quickly. And and then again, the only way we'd have success in any of this is if we had our allies on both sides. Go back to what you said about uh, what's going to happen in Taiwan there. I think the same thing. It's going to be a, you know, just dare us to dare to try to stop us as we watch the Chinese practice dropping bombs on aircraft carriers and, and, and the like, knowing full well that the only way we protect power in that part of the world is through our Navy. Uh, we've intermingled some military forces there. So we've gone also to this kind of, um, you know, sacrificial lamb theory where you kill one American, then you're going to kill, you're going to get more others involved with this. Again, I hope not. I think it's going to take a few more years. I think Joe Biden has a a little bit of a piece of it's going to accelerate knowing the fact that it doesn't look like his decision making is very clear. But um, but I think the Chinese are going to move. These, the, we have to recognize both of these countries are acting in their own best interests right now. Okay, they don't care. The Russians don't care what we feel about Ukraine. They're eventually going. The Chinese don't care what we think about Taiwan. They're eventually going. We have to figure out what other other ways we can stop them. Well, I'll, I'll bite. What are the other ways that you that you that you stop Russia except uh, with a punch in the face? I think the first thing we have to do is ensure Russia that we ha- we're not going to take these countries into NATO. 
I think that that I, I've never been for the expansion of NATO. I think that um, I think that that again, those kind of entanglements led us to the First World War when you know countries are you know should, does it make sense that you know a smaller country that we've led into NATO now recently gets attacked that we, you know the United States responds? I mean, we, we, it's not it's 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 outlived its usefulness in some way. NATO in some ways needs to be you know repurposed for things like cyber and other other things that are just that, that exist beyond just what's happening on the ground. But again, if we continue to say admission is to NATO is everybody but Russia, all it's going to do is cause Russia a problem. So I, I think that's the first and foremost thing. We have to put a put a stop on some of these countries that we've allowed into Russia. We, 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 NATO went from 12 countries to 27 countries in the last 20 years. I think that's been a tremendous mistake. Major Mike Lyons retired. Uh, uh, you find him on the Twitter box, M-A-J for Major. Major Mike Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S, M-A-J, Mike Lyons on the Twitter box. Uh, military analyst, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. We've got more to get to. I'm Tony Katz. So we're watching the Rittenhouse trial. Jury is still asking questions. We're watching Russia mass troops on the border of Ukraine. But Chuck Schumer, he has his finger on the pulse. Climate change is going to get worse and worse and worse. I tell my constituents, last year with COVID was awful. But in a few years, because of climate change, each year will be worse than COVID. And each year will be worse than the next if we don't do anything about it. Well... He's a treat at parties. Ah, Tony Katz. I'm sorry, Tony Katz today. I mean, it's just nuts. It's all we ever hear. Time and again and again and again. It's all we ever hear from these nonsense people. This is bad. It's going to get worse. You have to do this. You have to change that. I mean, you don't think this is fear-mongering? Climate change is going to get worse and worse and worse. I tell my constituents, last year with COVID was awful. But in a few years, because of climate change, each year will be worse than COVID, and each year will be worse than the next if we don't do anything about it. It's total fear-mongering. And we've been told this for 40 years. How about we don't act the part of the fool? But we don't think we should subjugate the American people. And we stop pretending that the Green New Deal is the answer. Socialism is not the answer. Government control is not the answer. You people aren't capable. Oh, and don't tell me about all your 97% of scientists. I'm going to laugh at you a lot. I think you can be a rational person and engage conservation as opposed to being an environmentalist psychopath who believes that the human race should give up. And what we really should do is give ourselves up to China, who will give up nothing. This is Tony Katz today. I can still shut down a party. OSHA has suspended the enforcement of the vaccine mandate. 
the Occupational Safety and Health Administration suspending implementation and enforcement of the Biden administration's vaccine mandate for private employers. After the Fifth Circuit said, yeah, we have a tremendous number of questions. They blocked the executive order. That executive order requires companies with over 100 employees to mandate vaccination for their employers. I'm sorry, employers for their employees. Much better. Yet there are still business owners out there, business leaders. I use that quote very, very loosely. We're like, well, we're all going to be vaccinated, you know, because that's what we have to do. That's how we're going to keep people safe. They're wrong. They are wrong. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. The phone number, 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. I um, watched a, a bit of this clip with Jedediah Bila going back on The View where she used to be a host. She was also with Fox News for a while. Uh, and and I, I said to myself, wait. You're telling me there are people out there who really think that the vaccine stops you from spreading COVID? There are people who really and truly believe that if everyone was vaccinated, the pandemic would stop. But really believe it. Really, and not politically believe it, really and truly believe it. I said, nah. But what if, what if that argument has never been presented to them? What if those facts have never been presented to them? So Jedediah Bila appears on The View. And this is really, really important. And it's really important because it goes to not a point that I made. I don't know if this was Tom Bevan of Real Clear Politics who made this, but I, I think it's a good point to make. These shows that that make the claim that they are... Um, trying to reach out to people, uh, trying to, to, to share, trying to uh, really engage conversations. They're not. They will silence anyone who disagrees with them, meaning they will silence conservatives, which is why we need to have more of these talk shows. You win the culture by winning education. You win the culture by winning arts. You win the culture by uh, having these, these kinds of talks. And it's why when they go after talk radio, we need to push back with double and triple measure. I'm only amazed that they haven't brought back the Fairness Doctrine yet. I got to tell you, I would have thought it happened already. But follow this conversation. Jedediah Bila, she's on like, 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 like a Skype. The rest of, the, of the, the view is there in studio. Listen to just the first parts of this. Okay, Jen. So let's discuss. Yeah. Let's address the elephant in the room because you were supposed to join. You yeah. were supposed to join us in the studios weeks ago, but you couldn't because ABC has a very strict policy. Uh, you can't get into this building unless you're fully vaccinated. Everybody in this room knows that and is vaccinated. But you made a conscious decision not to get the vaccine. Now the CDC says a person is ten times less likely to be hospitalized from COVID and eleven times less likely to die if they've gotten the vaccine okay so why didn't you get it now i know what the cdc says we should be clear that the person who is vaccinated the person who is vaccinated follow her own words there because it's exactly the argument we've made although not with that data point because i'm not so sure if i believe that data point or if i've seen enough to make me believe it But if you want to say the CDC says it, while I don't have it in front of me, I'll go with it for the sake of the conversation. 
how I have described it, based on my conversation with doctors and with nurses, the people who are in hospitals are people who are unvaccinated in the vast, vast, vast majority. People who are vaccinated deal with COVID if they get symptoms. They deal with it much better. They survive at much, much, much greater rates. Doctors will tell you the same. But that is about to the person. This is exactly the conversation we have had. Jedediah Bila. Yeah, so my story is a little bit unique. I'll share that first before I get into those CDC numbers. But Remember, we have I only have a certain have a medical... amount of time, Jed, if you want to get everything yeah, in. I... One interruption already. She hadn't even gotten to beginning an answer. One interruption already. So I want to I want to let people know why I'm not there. I have a medical exemption to the vaccine that's been written by my infectious disease vaccinated specialist in New York City that's been co-signed by three other doctors. I'm not a candidate for this vaccine. I also have sky high, multi-tiered, multifaceted natural immunity, very, very high. That has also been proven. It has been shown and it is substantiated by letters from these doctors. So for me personally, this vaccine poses a greater risk than a benefit. I'm also not a risk to any of you. I know there's been a lot of debate about that, but I have these doctors who've gone on record with that as well. Now, why would ABC make the claim that they know better than her doctors? Now, I don't know what it means by very high natural immunity. I mean, that can mean anything to anyone at any time, but I believe natural immunity is real. I think it would be irrational to think otherwise if you've already had COVID. But if she has a medical exemption, as in the vaccine would do her harm, why not let her in the building? Because as Joy Behar pointed out, accurately, shockingly enough, you are the one who is protected when you have the vaccine. And that would mean that you are not of a harm to anyone else. But it continues. My point about all of this is that I am not anti-vax. What I really want is for people to make these decisions for themselves. I want every one of you to sit with your family members, to sit with your trusted doctors, and to say, what is the best decision for me? However, You heard uh, Whoopi Goldberg, I think it was, there go, hmm. How dare you make a decision for yourself, says Whoopi. I think it was Whoopi. How It could have been joy. How dare you make a decision for yourself? Don't you know you have to make the decision that we, the intelligentsia, has made for you? Dr. Fauci has made your decision. What are you waiting for? I do oppose mandates. I oppose them on the fact that Let's look at the science. This is a vaccine that was created to prevent severity of disease and to prevent hospitalizations. Now, we can have a whole debate on that in itself, but the vaccine does not prevent you from getting COVID and does not prevent you from transmitting COVID. Oh, my COVID. goodness. What, what, what's the oh, my goodness? That is an absolute fact. We have the studies, and more will come out. There are a lot of doctors I've spoken to who said, well, I think it probably lessens viral load. The UK study says, no, it doesn't. The same viral load in the vaccinated person is the unvaccinated person. And Joy Behar already told you that the people who have the vaccine are the ones who spend less time in hospitals, if at all. So clearly it doesn't stop you from spreading anything because it doesn't. And this is where the girls at The View, do you call them girls or women? Can I get a ruling on that? Women. How about ladies? That's fine, too. How about femme folk? I mean, I guess. I don't think it's a mouthful. How about chicks? 
Eh. Broads? That's that's worse. The broads is worse? Yeah, I think that's worse. Nah, broads actually a compliment. Very 1950s of you. Ah, uh, the world could use some broads again. I'm telling you what. I'm telling you what. Here's where it goes nuts. Yeah, we have seen that. So come on. No, you've been at Fox TV. You don't have to enjoy. You don't have to listen to me on that. You don't have to listen to me. You can listen to the director of the CDC. You can look at the CDC's website. That is why masks were reinstated for people who were vaccinated because they said and they admitted they came out and said this for this Delta variant transmission is going to be a thing for vaccinated and unvaccinated people. You've been on Fox News too long as Jedediah Bila keeps going down the, the, the factual road. So this is where I said, wait a second. You're meaning to tell me there are people who really have don't believe, don't understand, I should say, that if you are vaccinated, you can still spread COVID, you can still get COVID. There are people who really don't believe that. But it is Joy Behar's response. Oh, you've been at Fox News too long. This is about not even allowing the conversation, not wanting the conversation, and that becomes pretty obvious. I'm not opposed to the vaccine, you know, but I Jen, am opposed to the mandate. 762,000 people have died from COVID, including Manny's in-laws. And I just, we've been friends a long time, but I just, uh, Manny's parents, I just don't understand why you would choose to prioritize your personal freedom over health and safety of others. And so I just, for, I just, I just so really again, don't think that we again, should allow Sonny, this kind of misinformation again, um, on, again, on Sonny, our website. How dare you engage personal freedom, and we shouldn't allow this type of misinformation on our show. There is absolutely no misinformation. None. But look at how Sonny Hostin there speaking to Jedediah Bila puts it. The unwillingness. The purposeful. Uh, degradation, is that the word? Uh, attack, dismantling of, of facts because they don't fit the narrative. I have never been one to understand the value of that. I mean, all right, theoretically, I can understand why people do these things because they want to push their narrative and the narrative matters more and they can't have facts interrupt the narrative because the narrative is what gets them to uh, power. But I've never really seen that true, on, uh, you know, in the cigar lounge or in the, on the bar stool or really with my friends. We're usually able to talk. There's no misinformation here. Yet this is now the second member of The View to disparage Jedediah Bila for an honest conversation. We've had the United States Surgeon General debunk. Yes, I heard what he said. Everything that you've just said, and I just don't think no. we should we should so allow you allow this kind of misinformation on, all, on our air. I'm, yeah, I'm Sonny, really sorry. Sonny, first of all, I'm really sorry. Sonny, first friend. of all, I would say to you as a friend, what I just said to you is, I am prioritizing my health, and people talk about the common Over good. Over the health and safety you're not of, have of a common other people. Good if you're not prioritizing your own health. You Over have the, the Surgeon health General. This should other sound very. This should sound very. Interrupt, 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 prevent her from speaking. You declare that you know best. You've had the Surgeon General on the show, and the last Surgeon General told us not to wear masks. The studies are out there. We know that, by the way, the masks don't provide benefit. We know that from the University of Waterloo. We have this UK study. We have Israeli studies on the natural immunity. What are you doing? You don't think that with a vaccine you could spread COVID? You, 
Of course you can. But the interrupting is now done. They have now done their job. You have to dismiss what Jedediah Bila is saying. You simply cannot allow her to speak. Very familiar to you, Jen. This should sound very familiar to you. We got to go to break. And so I have to say... Thanks to Jen You can buy Jen's book, Dear Hartley, starting today. And everyone in the audience, you're each going home with a copy of it. See, you're you're each going to go home with a copy of a book of a liar who we just called a liar and said was spreading misinformation on the show. And then when she was going to continue, you cut her off. That's what we're dealing with. That right there is how Twitter treats people who see things differently. That's how Facebook does it. That's how um, the, the, the media apparatus, apparatchik as I call it, wants to work and does work. The case for vaccines is actually a good case. You, if you get COVID, won't spend time in a hospital. That's a pretty good argument, if you ask me. But it's a virus, and it's never going away. This is over. There is no pandemic. It's over. It's a virus. It's here for forever. But note what you heard. You heard somebody engaged in an open conversation about data, And instead of arguing the data, you laughed at her, you mocked her for being part of Fox News, you called her misinformation, you cut her off, and then you silenced her. But you gave out a copy of her book, and well, that's that's nice. That's really sweet. You're, You're forgiven the view. I'm Tony Katz. Now, I'll agree, every time uh, Sesame Street adds a new Muppet, they're just getting more and more woke. But that I'm going to yell and scream that they've added an Asian Muppet. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't have the time. It's an Asian American character named Ji Young. And people have lost their minds about it. Now, I uh, appreciate and respect the basic argument. It was an argument put forth uh, by Derek Hunter, an author and a a radio host who who I like. Can can kids just be kids? Can we stop this already? Just have the show. You don't have to announce everything. Not everything has to be everything. I don't know what Ernie is. I don't know what Bert is. I don't know. I don't care. But it doesn't mean the end of the world if, uh, if you've got an Asian Muppet. If you want to stop funding PBS, I'm fine with that. If it's because they've put on an Asian Muppet, that's weird. See the difference? Because there's a difference. So there's a case where I think people are freaking out on, on Sesame Street for no reason. That Big Bird is involved in propaganda for vaccines, I think is totally messed up. It's even more messed up that it's happening on Twitter like a lot of five-year-olds are on Twitter. But really, it was for the adults, parents to show their kids, look, Big Bird got the vaccine. 
it's just weirdness on weirdness on weirdness. And, and this real belief that we, we are finding more and more ways to damage our kids as opposed to protect them from madness. This desi- I, I this is a true story. My my uh, oldest came home from first grade and said, uh, "What are drugs?" I said, "What in the world are you talking about?" Well, there was a big sign in front of the school, "Say No to Drugs Week." So they had "Say No to Drugs Week," and now my first grader knows what drugs are. Was that necessary? Unintended consequence? Was it necessary to teach them so young? I argue argue that it's valueless. And I argue that it's my job to do it. Which is why I oppose social-emotional learning. And I oppose the idea that schools are somehow these places where kids learn how to deal with others. No. Parents teach them this. I don't believe the schools are equipped. I think they uh, provide uh, actual disincentive. Because what they are providing is very often forced. Ah, you want to get into a fight? Engage that argument with some educators. This is Tony Katz today.